All right, everybody, welcome back. Got another episode of the Nomad Strength Show today, and we've got a killer guest today, uh, quite literally, actually. Um, I'm joined today by Cody DeQuisto. Cody is very well known in the whitetail world and is a part of Lone Wolf Custom Gear, which if you're a stands and, and climbing sticks kind of whitetail hunter, you probably are aware of Lone Wolf Custom Gear. His dad started the company back in the 80s and Cody's involved with it today. Um, he is the reason I wanted to have Cody on was to talk actually about stuff other than hunting for the most part, because I know how passionate and involved he is in fitness and in health. And I wanted to hear a lot of his backstory with how that became so important to him because there's a really cool story there. We got into some some really cool stuff in his background with bodybuilding and powerlifting and CrossFit and kind of taking the progression that so many of us did that started training when we were around 12, 13 years old. And uh, there was just some really awesome nuggets in there. There's some really cool stories. And then we did get into traditional archery and recurve hunting and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So this was just a killer episode. I'm excited for you guys to listen to this one. I've been really uh, wanting to talk to Cody for a long time. So I appreciate him coming on. Uh, before we get into that, we have finally the Nomad Dark Roast from Steady Grounds Coffee Company is available now. The link to purchase some will be in the description of the video. It'll be in the bio uh, or in the show notes of the podcast if you're audio only. And if you guys are listeners of this podcast, which you are, that's how you're hearing this, you can use the code NOMAD15 to save 15% on a bag. You can also sign up for a subscription to get it delivered monthly. That saves you some change as well. Go taste this stuff. I've got it right here in this mug. I'm going to take a drink for you. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I French pressed it this morning. Been working on French press, you know, uh, methods for a long time. I think I have a really good method and recipe down. I might do a video on that for YouTube and Instagram sometime soon. But uh, I'd also do, I'm an espresso guy, you know, really dialing in grind size, but this is small batch. It's roasted to order every time. And uh, George and CT Adams, the, the two that are behind Steady Grounds, it's just a, a killer company. And I'm really, really proud and really excited to have a coffee with my name on it, basically, right here that I'm, I love, right? So go get some of that. And then a final thank you to Drew from Selway Archery. Um, he's been a massive help for me. Uh, both in you know making a quiver that's amazing quality and if you guys want to get one of the, the quivers that he makes uh, go to selwayarcheryproducts.com but he's been a really good friend and, and really kind of a mentor for me in a lot of the ways of recurve shooting and 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 hunting in the traditional archery sense so go follow selway archery on instagram and go check out selway archery products and then finally, if you guys want to sign up for the newsletter, I'll post that in here. We're going to get some more serious stuff going on. And I actually said newsletter when I meant to say Telegram channel, because that's the new one that's going on now that we just started off the other day. If you are on Telegram already, you can search the group name Wandering Nomads and you'll find the channel on Telegram. If, uh, if you're not, you can click the, sh the link in the show notes and go join that channel. I'm gonna use it to kind of develop a community similar in, in ways to what Facebook groups used to be when they were cool. And we're gonna be sharing a lot of content. We're gonna be doing a lot of stuff in there that's not gonna be anywhere else doing uh, live Q and A's going to be doing stuff that's extra podcast content, maybe even um, a bunch of just conversations with people that are with guys that are looking to do the same things that I love, right? We're talking about hunting, we're talking about um, training, we're talking about movies, we're talking about books, we're talking about faith, we're talking about, you know, comics, we're talking about 
woodworking and homesteading and all this kind of stuff that I just love. And uh, so if you want to be a part of that, go check Telegram Wandering Nomads and uh, that'll do it. So let's dive into this episode with my friend Cody DeQuisto here on the Nomad Strike Show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. Uh, today, I have joining me Cody DeQuisto, and he has, uh, in in the whitetail world, is kind of where most people would know him from, um, but we were just talking before, I'm bringing him on to do some other types of chats today that we don't get to cover a lot, that he doesn't get to cover a lot, and that's going to be a lot of training and fitness stuff too, and we'll get to some of the hunting stuff too, um, but I know that the training part is something that's really important and, and that he takes seriously, so I wanted to get into that with him. So, Cody, thank you for making time, man. I'm pumped to chat with you for a little bit today. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, dude. I'm, I'm jacked to be here, and I'm always pumped to talk about training, whitetails, any of that. So, yeah, man, it's kind of funny because when you, when you say that, like there's the guys who take fitness seriously that aren't known as like fitness guys, like they always have another thing, but the, the fitness is always such an important part that a lot of people don't know about. Right. And so I know that there's a couple of like a hundred guys like yourself, um, where that's such a huge part. And I had, um, a guitarist from one of my favorite bands on the show a few months back, Clint Lowry, and it's like his, thing that keeps him sane on the road when he's traveling. He's like, dude, I never get to talk about training. It's everybody's always just asking about music. It's, he's like, I it, want to talk about training and fitness because that's such a huge point to me. Well, the crazy thing <laughs> is too, is that like, I can attribute a lot of what I've done, like pretty honestly totally. success in, in any form or any goal or accomplishment. Like it all goes back to that for me. And, and it was something that I've been, I've been obsessed with since, Dude, I don't, 15, you know, it was I was like, going to ask know, how early did it start I mean, for you when you started getting into the, doing the gym thing? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably say pretty serious was like, was, I mean, man, I remember messing around at like 12, 13, a little bit. Like I was big into, yeah. um, uh, skating and extreme sports back then. And I, I would do a little bit of it, but, um, the gym scene and like weight training was probably yeah. 14, 15, um, yeah. So it, and it you're goes, how old now? It goes back 33. Okay. So yeah, you're a couple yeah. years older than me, but yeah, it's, we were around that same. It was funny. Like when you, I've, I've talked to a bunch of coaches and they're like, when, when guys find that in that like 13, 14, 15 year old range and they see how, how much they can grow and what it does for them, not even only just physically, but mentally also, you know, at that age specifically, how much of like a grounding thing that that can be, it'll, it'll take dudes forever in their life with it. It, it was so it's crazy because and I always say this to people that I've like coached in the past or I've helped out on a diet plan and, and and I've always been adamant about like as soon as you as soon as your mind connects your effort with change and you see it and it's like this, you know, it's you like visually confirmed it. It's game over. It's like all yeah. these. It's so hard to get that momentum and start a diet or start a, a, a training program. But, you know, when you can when you can track it and you can actually see that little bit of results. And I remember at like probably 13, 14 years old, hitting the gym pretty consistently. Um, and then, you know, I was always fascinated by bodybuilding, like the, yeah. the golden era bodybuilders, like your Frank oh, yeah. Zane and your, you know, like, like Franco Colombo and stuff. And like the, you know, 
Um, and I remember like thinking that was just insane. Like, dude, these guys, mm -hmm. like, how can you just change your body like that? Like, you know, and I was <laughs> right. like, just, I was like a skinny fat type, like younger kid, like, you know, not, not fat, but not skinny, just like right in the right. middle just, you know, and I would just skate and all that stuff. But, um, when I started hitting the weights, uh, and as soon as I correlated like that, as soon as I started seeing those changes in the mirror, it was game over. And then it was, um, you know, rest is history of just like a lifetime of being obsessed with, uh, in, in the pain thing too. I'm, I'm, I got to screw mm. loose with that too. So I just like yeah. to tor torture myself. So I don't know yeah. what, what's up with that. So was but, the bodybuilding style, what you, what, what you kind of got into it with, is that what you stuck with for a while too? Yeah. So I, uh, when I started training, you know, I, I grew up playing footballs from, from very little on, uh, like as yeah. early as you could get into tackle football league, like I yep. was in it and it was always like an intramural thing. Um, and I, shit, I played probably all the way up until high school. And then in high school, I was like, screw this. Like it was too, football was too much, you know, but yeah. I never stopped. Like, so I think I started training maybe to be better at football or just to, sure. you know, get that little bit of strength. But, um, bodybuilding style was it. Uh, I wanted to be a bodybuilder. Um, wanted to you know just get bigger i think when you're a kid too you know you get you go through that <laughs> that phase you know you just especially me dude, i'm not like a huge dude i'm not like some six three you know yeah. i'm i'm five eight so i yep. was like you know trying to get strong you know trying to build some muscle right off the bat and and i got pretty heavy into the bodybuilding uh or that was the goal sure and then found myself uh competing in powerlifting like in a couple of years just just oh, naturally nice. being strong um and that's, that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> how, how long did you do competitive powerlifting for? So I remember like our high school didn't actually have a team and, um, we shit, I think it was like randomly, we had this, this teacher who was who had a history. He was like a football coach. He's like, Oh, let's, mm -hmm. if we can get, we can get four guys, we can go do a meet, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, um, so me and a couple of buddies that I, that I trained with, uh, you know, um, all kind of like punk rocker kids that were into weightlifting. It was weird. Sure. Like we were this, this little, yeah. like, like, you know, it was a football Even sub subculture. Yeah, dude. It was like this, it was the football crew up there. And I remember the football coaches were just like pissed because like they'd constantly like, dude, why don't you guys, you guys need to play football. And I remember as a sophomore, I was benching, squatting and deadlifting more than the football coaches. And, and they were like, it, and it pissed them off. Like they, yeah. so in my buddy, was like an absolute freak um mm -hmm. you know uh r.i.p to him he actually passed like shit i don't know maybe 10 years ago but he was a freak man and he was he was like mature for his age and he was yeah. stronger like just he was a bull right and but we were both obsessed with like this 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 old school bodybuilding you know dude back in high school like we came to school with our with our uh like, dude, our old school lunch boxes with all meals prepped, like chicken, rice. Like, we didn't nice. fuck around. We, we weren't fucking with Taco Bell. Like, we we were in it, right? So, and we trained hard. Like, yeah, back then it was like if we weren't puking on a leg day, it like we didn't do it enough. And yes. so we got real strong. And like one of the football coaches noticed that they're like, man, these guys are into this shit. And yeah, that's when they were like, well, we don't have a team, and we don't have any like you like so we didn't have uniforms, we didn't have anything. So we went to he took us to a random meet. We got a couple guys to, to fill in the team. And then we went and just crushed this meet. Like we, we first placed every, 
um, every guy that we brought, like, you know, was, was first place at the meet. Mm -hmm. So he was like, Oh shit. And, um, <laughs> and we all, well, actually not all of us, but me and my buddy Dobson, we qualified for state that first ever time being at a meet. Oh, and, wow. he was, and he was like, Oh, he's like, okay. So then he was like, well, maybe we can have a little team. And so I only got, I only did that for two years because my junior okay. and senior year, yeah. um, went to state both years. Uh, nice. I had the state record for bench press, um, junior year. And then I was going to break it se senior year and, uh, they misloaded my weight and I missed the lift. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was into that, but like my passion wasn't powerlifting. I was just, sure. just I was trying to, I knew that like size came with strength. So yeah. that was the whole concept. It was like, well, if I can, if I'm strong as a truck, I'll be big as a truck too. So, um, yeah. or that was the, the philosophy back then. But, um, so at this, at this time was, was utilizing your, your strength and your fitness in the woods for hunting, had you made that correlation yet? And like, was that the why for any of the training yet? Or did nope, that not, not come until later? Not the correlation at all. Like, like honestly, I didn't make that correlation for years and years ahead of time. Okay. So I started hunting really hard when I was about at the exact same time though, right at that. Yeah. I think like the mindset all just clicked and I kept breaking bones, uh, snowboarding and skating and stuff. So I, and that would keep me out of the gym. So yeah. then I'm like, well, and, and then I can't hunt, you know, so I, I kind of chose the training sure. and hunting route over football and other sports and shit like that. But um, was always into bodybuilding and powerlifting, too, as like, it's you, man, you're carrying yourself. You don't have to yeah. depend on anybody else. It ain't a team thing. Like, I don't have like even when we competed at meets and powerlifting, I was like, I didn't like to compete as as a team. I've never been a team guy. Um same thing with skating. It was how much can you push your limits and like you're shining, like you're carrying your own load, like, uh, uh, I, you know, basketball, football, it was always like, well, shit, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link sort of, but, yeah. um, so that correlation was there, like the solo and, you know, uh, lone wolf as it would, you know, my dad was always a loner in the woods and, and yeah. bow hunting was a typical like loner sport. So, um, I didn't make that correlation yet. Um, and, but I did start hunting pretty hard at that 15 year old, uh, age as well. So, sure. um, with that, so I was bodybuilding, I think I prepped, did my first ever prep for a bodybuilding show at 16, uh, nice. or maybe yeah, 16. Right. And, um, yeah. and I remember as a 16 year old in like, it had to be it had to be like over to, if I shit, everybody says this, but if I knew, if I, if I knew then just, and just <laughs> right. even any fraction, dude, but I remember that prep, that first prep was so yeah. fuck, fucking grueling, dude. It was, I mean, I was eating just plain chicken, broccoli, you yeah. know, almonds, just shit protein. Like just, it was, mm -hmm. it was so gnarly, you know? And I remember it, it was, it, it was actually so beyond what it should have been that it actually got sure. me it actually like i think i got like just this gnarly flu like two weeks before oh, yeah. the, before my first ever show and um too depleted on everything oh dude i think i was just <laughs> dude and i was trained like a madman dude like it, yeah <laughs> i've always ever since i started training like i just train seven days a week i yep. you know i'll balance it i don't take any off days i never have um and i've overtrained and i've 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 gotten injured but i firmly believe even to this day that 
it wasn't the fact that I was training every day. It's that I don't, I don't back it up with the nutrition and the recovery mm. and that shit. Yeah. So yeah, it's cause, cause there's guys like you can handle it. You can get your body up to handling yeah. it. I personally believe, but everybody sure. falls short on the nutrition and making sure you get the rest and recovery. Like, so anyway, 23 hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. but anyway, so that ended up putting me out and then I did my, I didn't end up competing because I was just so I, I was like bedridden for like five days and I had to, you yeah. know, had to call it quits. And then the next year was, I think, the first year that I ever did a show. It was a natural show in Madison and I got uh, third, um, came in soft, um, you know, as a 17 year old, whatever. And right. um, and then, yeah, I just I, I I loved it. So I kept doing that for um, for a few years. But fast forwarding. I made the correlation, um, shit, it's going to be passing over quite a bit, but I don't think I made that yeah. correlation until I was in my early twenties that okay. like so many like contest preps and doing it right. And, and going through that. And then just the, cause some people train for the hunt and then yeah. they directly correlate that, which it makes sense. Like, sure. Oh, I do this and my body, well, I don't not train. So like, and I'm, and I've never been out of shape in the sense of hunting where I think it helps me and where I've correlated it is, is the mental aspect. Mm. It's 110% like, because I'm a physical dude, like if I didn't train at all, whitetail hunting would not tax me. And, and, and it's just one of those things where it's not egotistic or anything. I'm just, it's not that demanding. Now, you know, we've, you know, you could talk about elk hunting, Western hunting, you know, mountains, whatever. Even so, if you're a generally fit dude. um, So I've never really made, like has like my heaviest bench press was 405 um has that ever helped me hunting whitetail ever right. absolutely right. not or like when i was squatting 500 pounds like did that help me whitetail hunt no absolutely not what helps me whitetail hunt is getting my ass up when i'm sick and go getting a training session in or training every single day and yeah. not give myself a day off or even 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 in addition to that staying on a meal plan like not, you know, not get like, it all correlates to those, you know, we're all, all tired. Some mornings we don't get up, we don't go hunt, you know, um, or we're, we're dragged down or, ah, you know, I don't know if I really want, like, it's the discipline that you build. And like, I guess that like resilience and ability to do shit and and set your mind to something and follow through. And that's, dude, that's a big part of hunting, especially whitetail hunting. When you're, when you're coming about it in a year, in a year sense, you know, it's, Hmm. it's a lot of people talk about training and they train for a hunt or they train for a trip or, you know, the way in which that I hunt and, and like, okay, being in the Midwest, living close to hunting property, like it's just, it's all the time. It's whenever you can get out, it's after work, it's before work. It's, it's okay. I'm going to scout midday. So it ends up being like a 90 day whitetail season. Sure. In which you're just you're altering your life 100 percent to get out there and make it happen. So you can't just train for like that little bout, like a like a week long elk hunt. You yeah. got to just. So well, that, I was, think, that was the example I was just thinking of how guys, yeah. when you talk about prepping for it, training for it, like it's a sporting event. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, I know yeah. I have this one week in September. So I need to make sure that everything when I leave to go on that week is dialed. So like I'm not super toast by that point. I'm like, I'm yep. recovered and I'm ready. Like you treat it like it's a sporting event, like a, a powerlifting meet that you have to, you know, yeah. build yep. for and then taper off and do all that kind of stuff. But like where you're saying it's 
four months worth of stuff essentially like you can't necessarily prep for a three month or four month long season like that it's kind of just got to be this is me always yeah and it's got to be like so that's why i think general fitness and like general preparedness is 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 to the top but that i still think like going back to the bodybuilding days and going through those preps and like you're 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 tricking your body into getting into a position that it does not want to be in and and when you get toward the ends of these things and I've done a lot of different things, fitness orientated and like, and I've recently got into, which, you know, I'll talk about in a little bit of mm-hmm. like the endurance type stuff and, and, um, like ultras and, and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and that's a big mental thing that I've found too. But yeah. even, but even that is a different mental game than being 13 weeks into a 16 week contest prep yeah. and, and just being starved. And you're, yeah. you're starving and you're yep. wore out and you're sitting there and your mind starts racing and everybody around you is eating what you want to eat. You, you can't eat it. And you know, you got three weeks of hell and you got to get up and grind every single day, even, you know, running a hundred miles, like, you know, okay, if I, if I can make it through this, this 50 miles, if I can make it through today, like that's it, it hurts right now, but yep. it's like this, this slow play and this, this torture, like the. And not all preps are like that, but sure. some preps can be. And, and you know, shit, I mean, I'm sure people listening to this podcast will know who Chris Bumstead is. And, like, dude, you want to, first of all, you want to talk about a, just amazing dude. But I remember when I started bodybuilding, I found him as, like, I think he had, like, a thousand followers. And he was yeah, just Canadian. Guy. Dude, and I was like, this dude has a freaking body. Like, he's got the aesthetic. Like, he's, that's it. Like, like and he's going to do well. And I remember following him and like three or four other people at that time. And that's when I got up into like a little higher of a level when I was trying to get my pro card in the natural circuit. Sure. And I remember following him, but I think it was three or four years ago when he won his first Olympia and he did this speech about how a week prior to that competition, he, he like was bawling his eyes out for like all morning and was about to quit and like was, it was so yeah. fucking tough and taxing. And then his old lady, I think, like, you know, slapped him yeah. and checked him into it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, it was all worth it after that. But, dude, I'm telling you, not many people know the, the, the depths of that type of suffering. And when I think about times like that and I can think back and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to go hike out there and hang this stand this morning. I'm like, that's this is absolutely nothing like absolutely <laughs> right. not, nothing compared to that. So I think just like the mental strength it gives you and like that commitment and then to see something through uh, same thing throughout a season. And and that's something that's it, it's it's invaluable in in anything you're trying to just consistently, you know, mm-hmm. put forth effort into. So uh, so that was a big, big correlation. Um so is that is the bodybuilding style of stuff still what you primarily do when you train, no, or have you no, switched that's up a, a bunch since then? Yeah, so that's a thing. That's a big thing of the past. So that was probably my, I, so I did that training until I was about twenty, and uh, I got in a really bad car wreck, uh, and I ended up breaking like pretty much everything on the left side of my body: freaking arm, five oh, ribs, collarbone, uh, blew out my knee, um, you know, um, and I was. I remember I was out of it for a while. Like I, it was a, it was a dark time. I was in a freaking recliner for like five months and like, and, and, you know, it, and, and for somebody like me, who's 
like training is everything every day, no matter what it is, it's gotta be something. And, um, and like, I couldn't train at all. And I remember through the recovery process, like I was that dude taking the wheelchair up to the top level in the Bally's fitness in Milwaukee, like, and just doing curls with like one arm, like just trying, just, just just doing anything I could do. And, uh, I typically, so, so that happened. And then I got back into bodybuilding for about two years and then, Mm -hmm. and, um, I got to a point where like I was, uh, I won a couple like local shows, um, and the overall, and then, you know, got the sword and I was like, I was super pumped on that. And, and I was even hungry to take it a step further. And that's when I was really trying to get like, uh, you know, that, that pro card in the natural circuit. Um, but I got, I got turned off of that real quick, uh, based off of politics and the people that I kind of lined up with. Um, I mean, I've always been a self, uh, I've always done my training and stuff. Uh, and not that if I could take it back, it'd been nice to have some, some mentors and stuff, but it's always been just me just guess and check. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I never really had a whole lot of like, uh, coaches, but I knew that if I needed to take it to the next level, I needed to get a coach. Like were you a, writing all your own programs during this time? Or were you following yep. anything specific? Yeah. So I would, I would do a bunch of research, old books and, and, you yeah. know, a bunch of, you know, guys that I like, you know, professional bodybuilders and I would take sure. little tidbits from, uh, from things. And then I would take like what I knew about my body. And, and I remember it was crazy at one point, like when strength was the main, uh, priority, I, I wrote an eight week circuit that would put five pounds on my bench every eight weeks. It was like, yeah. and, and it was, it was something, it didn't seem like a lot. But when you max out at let's say three hundred pounds, and you yeah. know that if you put in eight weeks, it'll be three hundred five, and then you put in sixteen weeks, it'll be three ten. And I remember yeah. I I started to apply that same principle into all areas of my lifting, and that's when I got the biggest and the heaviest. And I was I was sitting at like two thirty, um, you at know, five eight. Yeah, and, and then yeah. I would I would cut back down and compete at like one ninety in the Dang. in the natural circuit. Uh, and that's where I got my coach. So I was doing all my own coaching and even sure. lifting. I didn't need anybody to help me with my weight program. Like I was just, that's yep. how I felt. The diet though. I'm an overthinker, overanalyzer, mm-hmm. and I just, I'll stay in my own head. So I, I was looking for somebody to, you know, assist me with a diet. So I researched and I got a, and I, I wanted to get a good coach. Cause I'm like, I needed my pro card. I'm going to, I'm going to really put 110% into this and like, I'm going for it. And instantly it was like well i don't think you should do natural shows anymore you need to get an npc circuit uh well you need to start cycling this you need to do that like you're never mm-hmm. going to go anywhere without you know uh you know taking any additional and i'm like i get that and i was like i'm totally up for that you know in five five seven years like it when i've peaked out my mat like but i was sitting you know looking pretty damn good at 190 pounds and i'm like i know i can I can, I was beating guys at MPC show, like the overalls yeah. I won were MPC yeah. shows. And, and they, you know, there was a lot of like, people get pissed. Like when you come yeah. in from doing a natural show and then win an MPC show, you don't think so. But like, it's like one of those things where I guess you don't do and people are just, <laughs> and they're like, oh, this, you know, this, oh, this, this guy is like, he, he shouldn't be competing over here. He should stick with the natural circuit or whatever fragile people over there well it's just i think they're just a little touched and i got nothing against guys some of my best buddies you know mm-hmm. cycle and are giants you know and, and they've yeah. they've taken it way beyond me and it's not that i was against that or had anything for sure. it but i was just like i, I want to crush the natural circuit first 
then I'll yeah. move over to like that was Take my that game to plan. the peak before you yeah. add anything and else. Because I because I'm looking at the top level guys and I'm like, I, I can I can get there. I know I can get there. And yeah, it ain't it ain't, you know, romanticized like the NPC and like the main but I'll I can cross over. And as soon as that happened, it turned me off completely. And I that was the last I've ever been associated with bodybuilding. Um, crazy. And I'll, I'll say, I'll, I mean, I'm once a bodybuilder, always a bodybuilder. I mean like sure. a, a, li- a little bit, but, um, but one thing about my training with bodybuilding, um, and this is kind of gravitating to getting back to your question, but one thing about my principles always there was it was very fast paced, very intense, mm. a lot of supersets, a lot of triceps, a lot of giant sets. Like it was, yeah. it was very go, go, go. And, yeah, yeah. um, and to whereas that's a lot, lot of old of, school stuff, like well, and, the way that they did that. And you had your Mike Metzer approach where like it was completely the opposite. And then you had yeah. your, you know, your Arnold who's five sets of 12, you know, just tripling everything like, yep. you know, and it wasn't mainly to that. It was like, I just could, I felt like I wasn't getting anything. I was yeah. just sitting there like in guys I'd train with would do like three sets of six and then they would be chilling out two minute rests. And, and that was never me. So it was always very fast paced and, and the reason I say that is because it's leading into what happened next. So um, I remember I was at the gym and there was these, uh, and you know how that goes with the CrossFit and the bodybuilding. Like ba- back <laughs> yeah. in the early days, man, they did yeah. not they did not blend, man. And it was like these freaking yuppies or these idiots, like what the hell are they doing? Like they're sitting there flailing on a bar. For, and we're like, yep. oh my God, these guys are fucking idiots. And that was, that was, the, that was the general bodybuilder consensus, man. Like we're... Yep. You know, we're the gin wrapped. We own the weight section. These guys are coming in doing these crazy things. And, you know, it was always that like, oh, the in, the proper way to do an improper pull up. And, you know, all right. those like things making fun of them. And um, and that's all I ever seen of CrossFit was like these just completely people that were out of shape that like I'm like, what are they doing? But they would always, you know, you'd always hear that. Oh, yeah, you guys you, you have, uh, you know, um, I guess not functional strength or whatever. And it was sure. So there's one, this one, um, squirrely dude at the gym one time bet me like 50 bucks that I couldn't do a muscle up. And I didn't know what a muscle up was. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like what's a, what's a muscle up? And he couldn't even do one. So that's where he's like, so, so he pulls out a video on his, sh- on his phone. And I'm like, so I just got to pull up to that bar and then do a dip. And he's like, he's like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, well, you'll never do it like that. He's like, you got to swing and you gotta. And I'm like, Okay, whatever. Or I can so, just pull. Well, so I so I jump up on the bar, man, and I just do this. I just do this seamless, like strict muscle up with a dip, and it was and it was and it was you know it was challenging. I'd never done it before, yeah, but right. but it was like there was no hitch whatsoever, and the dude yep. was just jaw drop, and he was like, "That's he's like this is bullshit." He's like, "Do it again," and I did it again, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm like, all I gotta say is like you know like you know I was still over it, and I was traveling a lot at that time." Uh. And then, and like, so, so those type of experiences were yeah. my, ex, my introduction to CrossFit. Yeah. And, um, I'm traveling at a show one time and I, I remember this shit, uh, so vividly. I'm, I'm flipping through at, at night. It was like 8 PM after a show dinner, uh, trade show. I was like on the road at like Des Moines or something. And, um, I'm flipping through in the CrossFit games around and I stopped yeah, dude. in the cross and I, and, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh shit, it's a CrossFit game. So I'm like, okay, well, let, let's see what this is about, you know. So I'm looking at it, and it was the it was the games where Bridges was doing Murph. Uh, uh, oh, that's one fifteen. That's yeah. 2015. So yeah. So it's yeah, so dude. he's doing Murph, and 
And they're explaining it. So I'm looking at it and they're like, okay, so these contestants are going to run a mile. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. I'm like, that, I'm like, okay. I'm like, this, this sounds pretty legit. And I watched that. I watched that event. And then I watched the times and I watched how they flew through. And I was like, that looks pretty badass. Like I was like, yep. okay, it's like these guys are legit. Like this is not, this is not what I've seen of CrossFit. This right. is these are these are fit motherfuckers. Like this is, yep. and I think I watched a couple other events, but that next morning, I got up and I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow morning for a workout. Like so, <laughs> and I went to, um, I went to a local like uh, Anytime Fitness. Yeah, and then I went and I did a mile outside and went inside and did the whole routine. Yeah, and I think I, I think my time was like. I can't remember my exact time. It was probably like, wasn't horrible, but it wasn't, it was nowhere. I'm using them as a yeah. reference. I'm like, okay, right, well, right, right. well, he got like 30, or I don't know what he got, 36 minutes or whatever. I think my first one was like maybe 48 minutes or something. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of taxing. But this is very much like me. I get like, I tunnel focus. I told myself like, well, okay, this is the next mission. Like, you're going to crush this fucking workout. Mm-hmm. So I did Murph every day <laughs> i think f- i did murph every day for i think two months dude oh I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting you dude. that was this is how freaking whacked out i am dude and i i look back at it now and i'm Whoa. like dude you're a fucking idiot so i started doing it i did it for like two months i did it throughout the entire show circuit and i got to the point where i could crush murph in like yeah for sure low 30s like you know no vest but i'm just like okay just, right. so right. i'm just i'm crushing it then I'm getting, you know, I got, and this is strict pull-ups and yep. just, you know, this is not butterfly or not kipping. Um, yep. And so I get to that point and I'm feeling real fit and I'm like, Oh, I, I like this type of workout. You know, I'm like, this mm-hmm. is freaking. So then I started like a- implementing some running into my like uh, fast paced weightlifting sessions. And it was, I think the next year or that maybe a couple months later, I was introduced to the open. So I met somebody yeah. at a, I met somebody at a gym, another, another, uh, wacky CrossFit dude, yeah. um, was talking shit at the bodybuilders and, um, and kind of made some comment or the, and here's an, an, you know, I brought on this another bet, right? So he's like, well, you, he, it was the open, right? Long story mm-hmm. short. Um, he's like, there is no way bet me. Like, I think it was 500 bucks that I could not complete Jeez. that I could not complete the, well, it was, it was something so crazy. He was like, Oh, well you couldn't. And I was like, dude, I was like, I could complete anything you fucking throw at me. Like that's my, right. also my, and he's like, Oh, okay. We'll see. And, and, and he was like, well, I'll bet you, I'll bet you a hundred bucks. You can't. And I'm like, dude, a hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm like 500 bucks says I crush the open and you know, I'm just big head. Right. I have I don't even know what the open is, but I'm just, I get into this. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, so I get into this. Uh, and he's like, he's like, all right, deal. So then I call my sister and she's been, and I know she's been training CrossFit because I've made fun of her like for okay. a year. So I'm, she's been training CrossFit for like <laughs> hey, a year. Hey, what's the open? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, Hey dude, I'm like, I call her up and I'm like, I'm like, tell me about, tell me about the open. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, it's, she's like, it's this, it's an open competition, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we were traveling to uh, Columbus. She was coming with me that weekend to another show. And it was the first, it was like the first open workout that they were releasing. She's like, well, okay. I'm coming to this. She's like, I have to complete them no matter where I am. I'm just doing it for my gym. Like she wasn't trying to go anywhere. She was just doing it yeah. for a workout. So she's like, we'll drop in at a gym and like, you know, you can try it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Bet. Awesome. So then, and so I signed up, I freaking entered in like the whatever, uh, yeah. try to do it legit. And, and we went, um, 
we were there and we went over. So I think in that first workout was deadlifts, rower and wall balls. And it was oh, like, I remember that one. Yeah. So that was yeah. what it was. So I'm like, okay, what's a wall ball? Never. Yep. I've never stepped foot on a, never even sat on a rower ever. Yep. But I could deadlift like nobody's business. I'm like, yep. I'm like, okay, whatever. I got to just squat and throw this ball up. Like anyway. So I don't remember what I got on that or what the workout was, but I remember the dude. Cause when I went there, kind of told the dude, I'm like, Hey, I've never done CrossFit before. never done the open before. He's like, well, why are you doing the open if you've never done CrossFit? And I had to, I'm like, dude, just shut up and score me on I this made paper. A bet. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just, just, I'm like, dude, anyway, I do this workout and he is like, like I, 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 I put down a better score than anybody at his gym than him. <laughs> and he's like, dude, he's like, you should really think about doing this. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing it right now. Like I'm doing this open. I'm gonna see, see what it's about. So I did that one. Long, like let's fast. So fast forward, I did yeah. that entire open, completed it, submitted scores. five workouts was when it was back then, right? It was all it was uh, five. I, I can't remember. Yeah, maybe five or, or whatever it was. Um, but did them all, completed them. You know, you know, rubbed it in the guy's face, collected my money, and um, but that <laughs> that was that was it. Got it hooked me, dude. After yeah. doing those, it because then I remember that I remember another workout was it was double unders. And then it was toes to bar. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I'm like, toes to bar. I'm like, okay. And it can't be too hard. Dude, I remember that one. The, the toes to bar crushed me. Well, I that, still, was, that was going to be the next question I was going to ask. Like, you you cruise through these kind of with your fitness. But was there one where you're like, okay, there, this is so, actually something that was harder than I thought? There's a couple things. and and But I think to my advantage, those things would piss me off so much that I would I would go back in the dungeon and just train and train and train. <laughs> so they released these workouts, right? And I remember doing the toast bar one and that one was I can't remember what it was, but it was toast bar. I thought there was maybe double unders and something else. But I remember yeah. being being crushed by the toast bar after yeah. so many like like times and I'm like, man, that was way harder than I thought. Yeah. And even the, the chick that was coaching me at that time, she was like, well, dude, you can't, you can't do, you can't just lit. I was doing strict leg raises and putting my toe to the bar. So she's like, you got, it's, it's about technique. It's about, you know, yeah. form. There's, there's, there's a, there's a freaking method to the madness. And, and I'm, so I started to understand that. And what I really liked, what freaking hooked me is that here I am now, I'm totally new to this. It's got me like a kid in a can. I'm, I'm looking at these workouts and I'm researching the exercise. I'm like, could I do that? I got to try that. Like, okay, wait, mm -hmm. I got to do, wait, I jump rope, but I do it twice. Okay, shit, I got to. So it had me like practicing double unders. It had yeah. me doing things. And then I would go have to do it a day later. Mind you, in my mind to keep up my fitness, I still got to be doing Murph in the morning. So, <laughs> so I remember showing up. I remember showing up to do, this was my favorite workout. It's been repeated in the open, my favorite one by far. And it was the handstand push-up deadlift workout. Yeah. And if it wasn't is for the hand, hand? no, it, name, it, is that a named one or no? No, it's like, uh, is it? Yeah. No, it's not a named one. It was heavy D or something, or I don't know, or, or I don't know what it was, but it, it was okay. where you yeah. did, um, it was escalating weights and it was 2015, yep. nine, um, and then it repeated with a heavier weight and then it like went, it was something along those lines. Um, but it was one of those, and it was one of those, um, workouts that it was kind of just like made for me. Like, yeah. And cause I was, I'm very yeah, good 21, at 15, nine, 21. And then when that one had the handstand walk in it too, 
Well, the handstand walk was, the was after you completed like the first whole circuit. The first twenty-one fifteen-nine of both of them. Well, so it was escalating weights, right? So how did that? Are you in front? Of, are you right. looking at it? Yeah, it was like. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at. It started out with I so think you did twenty-one. This says two twenty-five. Well, this is actually yep. when they repeated it in twenty, but this was two twenty-five yeah. on the deadlift for twenty-one fifteen-nine with handstand pushups in between, and then it bumped to three fifteen. Three fifteen. And did twenty-one fifteen-nine, but then you had a fifty-foot handstand walk in between each of those on the second yes. half of it. Yes, I remember. Yeah. And then that was the repeat. And then the first one might have been maybe it was the same thing, but I remember doing that workout and and finishing at like a like or not finishing but getting to the handstand walks like at yeah an elite top level time and then just nice. crushing my face on the handstand walk because i've never handstand <laughs> walked in my life you know? first time ever yeah, yeah i'm just like but but the deadlift and the handstand push-ups were like at like just just butter you know and yeah so anyway so i complete these workouts and i'm and and people then are like dude you should why don't you do crossfit you need to do crossfit so i'm like all right i'm gonna do crossfit and I remember doing that workout and just that's when it clicked too. I thought to myself, I'm like, man, if I wouldn't have done Murph this morning, I probably could have mm. did that a lot better. And sure. then then I was like, all right, this is stupid. Like, I need, OK, let's back it off a little bit. But then so then the open was over and I was like in CrossFit training mode. And like me, though, more is always better. Uh, so I was just <laughs> I, I completely abandoned 100 percent, dude, any bodybuilding, bodybuilding, any any isolation, any, yeah. anything, dude. I was yeah. like long gruesome Metcons, like just dude, I'm talking like, give me, give me 40, 50, 60 minutes. Like I was making up shit that would take me like an hour and 10 minutes. Like, you know, I, I it was just, it, it got crazy. It got a little over yep. top and, and I was fit as hell, but then I, you know, it, it ultimately led me down and I wasn't, you know, hadn't had proper nutrition, but so then I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what this is about. Like I got real fit and then I started doing, I started hopping into some classes, some CrossFit classes. And, um, I would just be like crushing the workouts on brute pure strength whatsoever. Like just, yeah. just like, so rope climbs, I would do them strict. No, no leg whatsoever. Cause I couldn't use my, I couldn't use my <laughs> right. leg pull-ups. I would do strict handstand pushups. I still can't keep a handstand pushup, but I can do, yeah. I can do as many as I want. Um, but the thing is, um, as soon as then I started lit, like understanding and it started to come clear, like, like the butterfly, uh, pull up. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Like, like people, what people don't like, understand. Holy cow. I can do these three times as many of these now. <laughs> yes. And what I never understood and what a lot of people don't understand is this is not a pull up anymore. Like, so for all you bodybuilders yeah. out there and for all you people who still think these are different, cause I, I've seen the light in both sides. Like these exercises are different. They're designed yes. different. That's a full body initiative. It's, it's about, it's not about isolating your lats and doing a pull up. No. Like that's not what this is. Like, so, yeah. So, and once and I, the under skill of learning how to do it too, is yes. like a whole other, ass. it's not just like flailing around and yep. like kicking legs and trying to throw yourself up. Like there's an actual technique to it that you have oh, to dude. be good and, at, to be good at them. Yes. And once you, and even as strong as I was, so, you know, you know, to do 30 strict pull-ups for me was not an issue. And when I learned how to do like kipping pull-ups or but not, not like the butterfly, not the yeah, actual, yeah. like, like where you just keep going like that circular the motion. Circular. Yep. When I learned how to do that, it was like, dude, crank out 60, 70, no problem. But yeah. it was hard. It was, and it was a right. different, 
it dude it taxes your hands your forearms oh, yeah. your freaking shoulders your lats your 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 core mm-hmm. your like and a lot of people don't understand that so i started to you know learn these these type of um you know techniques and stuff and um it really made me fall in love with crossfit um the one thing where crossfit is horrible for a guy like me is i'm super competitive and i push <laughs> it way too freaking hard and and i just i got no business and like Sometimes I'd need to just take the long road um, or the slow road. And um, so ultimately, uh, I just ended up, you know, getting a shoulder injury, just, sure. just pushing it way too hard, doing shit that I like, I'm like, oh, I can do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you want to compete with the dudes in there. You want to, com- you know, get a shoot for a time. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like, you're trying to like clean and jerk something that's like. 30 pounds over your PR and yeah. also after getting taxed out on the rower for like two minutes. Right. And it's like, <laughs> right. like, like, what am I doing, man? Like, ah, <laughs> right. so it's like, so I have a love hate late relationship with CrossFit. I love it, dude. And it's awesome. Yeah. I think if you can, if you can check your ego and you can do it in a good, like, like consistent basis. And, and I still do it all the time. Like I'll implement those, those methods into my training, but yeah. um, you just gotta, you gotta watch it like anything. Did you find uh, that training in that environment was helpful for you having been like the solo guy for so long doing the bodybuilding and now you're like in a class competing, like you said, with other people? Was that helpful for you in that regard? Yeah, actually, to tell you the truth, like so I started doing it solo and it got and my first experience with with CrossFit was actually or a CrossFit gym was horrible. I went into a gym. And like, it was just random CrossFit gym. Yeah. Uh, I went in there and I spoke to the, the head guy about joining and dude, the attitude. And I think he looked at me, I, like I had a decent build. I'm like, Hey, I'm just looking to get into CrossFit. And, and his, like, he was like, totally like, well, we don't, you know, like this is, this is different than body. But like, it was just, I don't know. It was the, the, the attitude was he, um, like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. It was so many years ago now, but his attitude toward it, I was like, or like, we don't hold any hands here. This is a serious CrossFit gym. Like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'll crush you. In any, and I, I'm looking at the dude. I'm like, I will crush you in any display of physical fitness. Like, and I, and I was just, and I was kind of disgusted. And I was like, you know what? This shit, like you just lost. Not only did you yeah. like, I was like, like trying to you, give you money, dude. Yeah, dude. You, ha- I'm, I'm looking to join a gym, man, just to, just to work out, man, and learn CrossFit. And you just, and, and so anyway, so luckily like a week later, I, you know, cause the barrier to entry is there, man. A lot of people don't realize yeah. anything you're going to do. I remember, dude, I went to yoga class. It was freaking. it was like, yeah. I've been in gyms. I've been a gym rat since I'm 15. Right. Yeah. I don't understand. Like I know my way around gym. going to the, my first yoga class was fucking intimidating. I'm yeah. like, I, I'm like, oh shit, where do I go? Like, what do I like? Fuck, I've never done yoga. Like, you know, signing up, you're going in there, choosing your spot, laying down your mat. What the hell do I do? A block? Oh shit, I need a strap. <laughs> it's just like, so I'm like, you know, I'm in to whereas like I could do CrossFit decently. I'm just looking for that, that nudge. Right. And yeah, luckily I met a dude at a different CrossFit gym and he was like the opposite. He was what you hear about CrossFit people being like, yeah. he was like, dude, awesome. He's like, that's so cool. You want to try out CrossFit? Come check out the class. Like, yeah. And that was what, yes. And when I got into that and a couple dudes that were like, um, in the skill level range that I wanted to be like, and I was like able yeah. to compete with people, dude, it was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to a gym. I couldn't go to a regular gym. The other side yeah. of the gym made me depressed. 
It dude, yeah. it was weird. I was like, oh, dude, I can't go in there and just do like sets of bench press. Like what? what like oh my god, that's just like yeah. I want to die. And and yeah, so it got like so that was very uh, like you know reviving or, or vitalizing or whatever you want to call it. But it was cool, man. Like the the and the community is cool, um, but the community also doesn't favor i think the solo the lone wolf either sure you know it, it's one of those things where i think like when you're in it well it's, i mean that's the point of the whole thing is like here's a bunch of people that will yep. be your team and that like you said doesn't really support the no. that yep. environment for just and the I, guy that wants to do it on his own yeah and I, I would find that like when i over the course of time like when i'd be gone on a trip or something come back and be even more fit that like you weren't getting as well like it wasn't as welcoming as like the the, the dudes who are in there every day doing yeah. the, the chit chat talking, you know, and the camaraderie, like, so, um, you know, I think that's the same with a lot, a lot of stuff too, but, yeah. uh, um, but yeah. So, so are you training at home now or do you have set up at home or are you still going dropping into places when you're, when you're training? Well, so I actually, I haven't, I haven't done an actual CrossFit training session in probably a couple of years now, or maybe okay the last time I, so <clears throat> what was the last open or, um, before shit. they changed all the, the structure no, of everything or no. So, so I, I was out of CrossFit for an entire year and, um, I think it was last year. Was it 2022? Cause the games just happened, right? For They do no. those at the end of the summer, but last year they did the one where the open was like right after the games or something. And yeah, then they did so it again in the winter it, or something like that. That's why it confused me. Yeah. So Cause they the were last, changing the schedule of everything. Yeah. This would have been last summer then right just this past summer or yeah. that they okay so i actually so I, I didn't do crossfit for a whole year and then all of a sudden i'm scrolling through social media and and i've been feeling good feeling fit like this was last year and i was like oh shit the open i was like the opens right now and then i looked at it and I, it changed <laughs> yeah. it changed schedule and i was like oh I'll fuck with the open and and so so then <laughs> i just so i literally went back into the gym everybody's like, we're like, I haven't seen you in a year. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do the open workout. And they're like, so then I, um, I did all the open workouts last year, signed up. And I think I was, I think I finished top, top 6% or top 7% after nice. the open. And it was like, and I was like, Oh dude, I'm feeling good, man. I'm going to do freaking, I'm going to do quarterfinal or whatever the next level was. So, you know, yeah. got the invite to the next level. And then I, um, you know, did the, did the, uh, you know, signed up for that. And then I'm, you know, so then it's like a game changer too. It's like, okay, now you only got a couple yep. days. You got, now you got to be even more strategic. It's more, uh, and I remember that, that one broke me though, because I was like, I was so out of shape and I was just getting by, like you can get by on the general fitness in the open. Yeah. But then when it goes, it, it goes to the, the next, next step up is pretty significant. Dude, the next step up is rough. And I was like, you know what? I got to do it. I'm just, I got to just, I just want to complete everything and submit a valid score. Like that was my goal. And, um, uh, and then of course, like the first one, like first one they released was like some crazy 300 feet of handstand walks or something like before the workout, <laughs> even, before the workout even started. And I'm like, Oh my God. So me, immediately I just started practicing handstand walks and I actually got through that one. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so, but to fast forward to answer your question yeah. since then, that was my last, I haven't worked out from CrossFit gotcha. since then. And I've been like running like a madman. I don't, you know, I just started gotten into the ultra thing now, huh? Yeah, just started running. I don't. I mean, like I said, <laughs> just it's, the Force Gump just started running. Dude, one day I just and started. Stop. That's that's pretty much. Uh, it's pretty much what what was happening, man. I I when I fucked up my shoulder, 
it had me running for a while. Uh, so then uh, I think because I like it was all I could do. So I just started running. Yeah. Yeah. And then then I, you know, started to get into it a little bit more. And I'm like, OK, well, you know, where's that, the mental aspect of this and like pushing it? I've never been a yeah. like a long term cardio type like runner, like I've always hated running. Um, and, uh, so then I just, I was like, well, you know, let's try and run for, and I just started doing this thing. We're running for every day for a year. And, you know, then I'm just putting in 60, 70 mile weeks. And then, um, you know, got up to like 80, uh, no real easing into anything with you. I've gathered so far. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, no like warm up period not, to anything. Not, just, well, I'm going to start running. Oh, 60 miles a week. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> Well, I will say, so I'll credit myself on this because normally I'm, I'm diving to that side of the pool, man. And it's the same thing with, with traditional, man. It was like, yeah, okay, well, if I'm going to do, I'm just, I just don't like to do anything half ass. And, yep. and I, cause I, cause I feel like there's no true commitment. There's, yeah. you know, you get these people that have 78 passions and it's like, well, what's your real passion? And I've, I guess I've always mm. been looking at, I've always been like in search of like my niche in the fitness, but I've came to terms with like. I just like pain and fit. I just like, I just yeah. like torture myself. I like the act of pushing myself in any regard. So sure. I always thought I needed to find like, Oh, it's CrossFit. CrossFit's my thing. No, it's bodybuilding. No, it's powerlifting. No, it's running. It's, it, it's none of those one things. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's general fitness, man. And if I don't get that, if I don't get that on a daily basis, even my wife knows like we'll be on vacation. We'll, we'll be, we'll be somewhere, not a gym. And, and she will tell me right off the bat in the morning. She's like, did you, you going to, or did you get a workout in this morning? Cause I'm known to just wake up at two 30, go get a workout in and be back for breakfast. And she's like, did you work out? Because you seem a little, she's like, go get, go run or go freaking do. <laughs> and, and it's just something that like she knows. And it's like, yeah. if I don't release that somehow, um, in some way, it's just has a very real effect on you. Like the rest just, of the day. Yeah. It just puts me in a, it's just puts me in just a, a horrible place. Like, uh, um, so that's like, uh, but that's what I mean about like, you know, fitness is a cornerstone working out, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that just to, to everything really. Um, but with that running thing, I will say I did, I did kind of, I eased into it on my own accord, I guess, but you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe not. I just, my biggest, um, thing that I've been watching nowadays or that I do is like, I might be full bore into something, but I'm very, I listened to a guy. Um, I can't. I think he was an ultra runner. He was somebody, or he was. I can't remember in what, where he's from, but I remember hearing this thing, and he, he was like, "My goal," or he, he talked about overuse injuries, or like just yeah. injuries in general due to that. Yeah. And he's like, "They're the stupidest things." Like usually, you can sense them coming, and you can like, and and when I, and that same person was talking about like the, everybody can can push real hard. Anybody can push hard constantly, but like it takes the real strength to back off. It's kind of like that old adage of like, you know, anybody can get yeah. into a brawl at the bar, but like walking away is what is what's really right. tough. You know, anybody right. can get, you know, you know, whatever. It, it's kind of cliche, but it is kind of true when you look at injuries like that. And I looked and I thought about my shoulder and I'm like, dude, my shoulder's fucked up because of my own stupidity and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So I did like when I went into running, I was like, told myself like you need to be very adamant and listen to your body listen to like you know you know feel those ankles feel those and i being somebody who's never built up that you know that fascia and like those tenons and structures yeah. and i was like you know what just just make sure you're 
it doesn't mean I'd have to rest. Like, so I would do, I'd get my run in. Like if, if I was hurting, I wouldn't go bang out 10 miles. I would just, you know, do four and I'd go real slow right. and I would just, you know, just ease it off, stretch a little bit more, push a little harder in the gym that day and not just, you know, uh, so, so yeah. So, um, Yes and no, I guess, <laughs> you know, a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a, uh, a ramp in, but, but now I'm just, yeah, I, I kind of just pick, pick whatever. Well, I've heard you make that analogy and you did it a few minutes ago too, about, uh, like to get into in, to get a little bit into the hunting stuff. Now you did the same sort of mentality, like recently with traditional and, and recurve hunting. Um, and you like, when you pick that up, it was like, well, yeah, this is how I hunt now. Like there wasn't, there wasn't the thing where I'm still going to go do yeah. this over here. It's like, no, this is how I do it now. I have to be all in on this yeah. to actually know if I can do it or what are the things I want to do. So how does that, those similarities cross over when it comes to stuff with like the hunting world too? It's, it's so, um, it's so pertinent because it's the same thing when you really look yeah. at it. It's just like signing up for that show, giving it your all, or like making a commitment to doing a competition or whatever, or just like just being in it. But the thing is, it's like, you're, I don't think you're ever really going to be a great bodybuilder if that's not your, okay. Like even like when I was training and competing, I wasn't out there running and that's where my failure with CrossFit was. I was just like, so like, it was all about like, uh, it was a period in time where like, uh, in my mind, I thought, well, if I'm not crushed, I didn't work out hard enough. And sure. if I don't increase, but there was never really the goal of like, Hey, I want to be a professional CrossFit athlete. Yep. And, but when I was bodybuilding, I wasn't doing a bunch of different things. And it's the same thing with, I look at the, the traditional archery, like in my mind, if I say I want to become the most lethal person with a trad bow in the freaking world. Right. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I have motivators like that. Like, you know, so a motivate, you know, whether not that that is, but my idea or my ultimate vision from, from early on when I was young, um, somebody asked me this the other day, like my ultimate vision of like the ultimate whitetail hunter was traditional equipment. It's like, it, it's yeah. harder, man. It's harder to do. So yeah. I, I, I look like my whole life I've been nudging toward that. Right. And, um, when I started it, I'm like, well, I can't expect myself to, to advance and learn what I need to learn, go through the, you know, the birth by fire, all that stuff. If I got one foot in it, it you yeah. know, like so many people are like, oh, you're starting to recreate around. That's all. Oh, that's totally great. Like, so are you like, you know, just doing that at the end of the year? Or are you going to give yourself a week and then take your compound out? Or like, are you going right. to take both bows to the stand? And I'm like, <laughs> Dude, do you know me? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Would I take two bows to the stand? I'm like, no. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy who's who's telling people to ditch their shit and go light, and I design yeah. shit to be light. And mo I'm like, you think yeah. I'm gonna take two bows out into the woods? <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, and you know, making that there's a there's a decision to make there though. Like it's it's and you know this, it is it dude. It's tough. It is yeah. hard. It's a harder thing. It's a tough commitment to make. But I. I, I just like to honor those commitments to myself because I'll yeah. only beat myself up if I like there's been times where I've had great opportunities outside of this, the range that I'm good at now. Sure. And could I have, you know, maybe grabbed a different weapon and went in there and, and killed? Yeah. But to me, it's not about kill. I, I, it's it really isn't like it, which I, I don't want to contradict myself because I do think this it is about killing an animal because that's what we're doing. 
we all want to succeed. I do believe that it's about killing, but this mission here sure. and learning this weapon and getting efficient with this bow, it's not about just the kill because it's about the kill with this. Right Now, like if I'm not holding that rack and it didn't come from this bow, I'd feel like a failure because mm. it would be me backsliding and just in compromising because I know I wasn't good enough. And that's something I can't deal with in my head. Like that's just, it, it's, it's, and it was the same kind of like, uh, you know, the same motivating factor and not saying everybody's at that point. And, and if you sure. want to dabble with traditional archery and like, and do it for a week, that's totally fine. I'm not saying against that anything, but for me, like knowing the ultimate goal for me is to never shoot a compound again. And like, I yeah. just want to become an efficient killer with this. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, I'm just cheating myself out of the lessons I'm going to learn and, and the reps I need to get in with this. You know? Did you know that that was going to be the case when you picked it up for the first time or were you like, it took you a little, a week or something. You're like, okay, no, this is what I'm going to do now. So I, I dabbled with, um, a longbow, a friend, a buddy's longbow one yeah. year. This was, this was a handful of years ago. I yeah. dabbled with it after I had two tags filled and I was on a late season hunt and, um, I was just kind of messing around. He, I literally never shot it. He, I was like, he's like, Hey, run around with it if you want. So I hunted with it a little bit that late season, probably a week and a half. And I ended up missing a buck, um, you know, shot right under him. Um, mm -hmm. And at that point in time, it was like, it was cool. It was an awesome experience, but it wasn't in my mind, like where I was going yet. I knew I wasn't ready to fully commit to that, but it was, so I was just yeah. messing around. And then a few years went by and, and, and I won't, I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. But we had some deals going on with Darton and they made a bow for the brand. And then it was yeah. going to be important to like get some kills with that bow. So I was keeping that in. And also, I didn't feel like I was I was ready yet. Um, mm -hmm. And then I had a couple of years back to back where um, I, you know, put down some some really big deer, some really great deer I was proud of and, and was really humming on fire on all cylinders, you know. And I just hit a point to where I didn't even have a bow at that time. But I was like, it, it's time. It's time to to start this. And, and I consciously made that decision just mm -hmm. like you would if you were going to train for something or do a diet. Like I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, everybody's got that moment where they're like, okay, I'm fat. I need to get into shape. Like it's time. Right. So That's I right. kind of had that same thing. And then I ended up talking with a, uh, Steve over at Bushman Bows, and I'm like, Hey man, I, I'm looking to get in a trend. And I got, you know, tell me about bows. <laughs> tell me what I need to know. Yeah. Like, cause I, I've never been an archer, man. I didn't know anything. So I had to kind of learn all that. And, um, but once I did get that bow, the, a bow of my own, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be the bow. And, you know, and not saying, I, I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now or five years from now, but you know, um, even going through that first season was, was rough, man. And, and it was, it was failure after failure after failure. And, and it was fine tuning a, a, a technique and a system that I spent 15 years, you know, yeah. fine, fine tuning. And it was adjusting that. And it was, it was, you know, learning different things and, it's freaking harder, you know, but at the same time that also lights a fire for me. And, it, and it's like, it's, it's a new challenge. And, and I know, uh, fast forward now to this year, um, you know, it's just every time out, every sit, every stand hang, you know, and now connecting with deer, uh, and like, dude, I'm, I can't tell you how, how insanely rewarding that execution of a clean kill with, with, with a bow like that is it's, it's a different, yeah. it's, it's totally different. Can't even explain it. It's, it's, um, so yeah, man, it's just one of those things where, yes, I, I made the conscious decision, but like at the right time, um, 
Yeah. And you've, I've heard you talk about too, I mean, your, your general style of hunting, like, and you mentioned it before, like you're telling people, you know, lighten up weight wise and, and you move a lot. And, uh, but you get close even when you had compound, like your game was oh, yeah. to get super close anyway. So when you pick up the trad bow, did much other than the actual just shooting of the weapon itself change about the way that you hunted with it? Or was it, that because you're already close anyways, did that change much at all? No, actually, that's a good question. And, and it's something people get, they're very interested in this because it's the opposite of what you would think. So, okay. So yes, to answer your question, like that was, you know, for years I would have people, uh, or particularly trad shooters. I'd see them at shows or events and they'd be like, dude, what are you waiting for to pick up a, a trad bow? Because man, I think dude, for the past 10 years, I've, I've always tried to, to preach that of that of get close to the animal. Like, like yeah. that's what it's always been about for me. Like I don't give me like, I, I, I think it's remarkable. These guys who can shoot far distances, it's a skill yeah. in itself, but I've always been obsessed with the hunt and like, that's the, that's the game. It's like, okay, how close can I get this thing? And, and so, and because of that, I never had to spend too much shooting. Like I, I just, if I'm accurate at 20, like I know it's going down and that was all I ever did. But so for my whole life, I just hunt and get deer close and executed in that, that fashion. So it was like, okay, this should be a super easy transition. Just learn how to shoot a bow. Like you don't have to change anything about your setup. Um, and to a point that is true. So somebody who kills all their deer at 40 to 50 yards and who has trouble closing that last little bit of distance, like you yeah. are going to struggle big time with, with a weapon like this. Like you have to be able to, in a like it, close quarter hunting, um, in this environments too make a difference in this too. Like we talked sure. about before we even hopped on this, like if you're in Montana and like, you know, you're going to, your effective range is your, your desired effective range is probably going to have to be a little farther. Uh, I do a lot of close quarter, like in timber type hunting. Yeah. I was never a big field edge hunter, like really reaching out and, and, and shooting far distances or open areas. So, um, so if you can't, if you can't get that close or if you find yourself if, like, that's tough for you. And that comes, I think, you know, years and years, like you can fine tune that. And then by choice, some people like to be a little further out cause it's, you get away with more when you're further away from them. It's not sure. as, um, uh, but anyway, so yes and no, uh, I've actually found with the trad bow that I can't set up as close as I was setting up with the compound. Oh, really? So yeah, cause because of the, the limb, because of the profile, oh, the, of the length bow, of the bow itself, the length yeah. of the bow, uh, it totally, um, does not let me shoot straight down in a seated position. Sure. Like unless the deer is completely in front of me not on the side. So you got the tree to think about, you got the cables of the stand, you got the actual stand itself. So, um, a couple of the situations I found myself in the first year was like a three or four yard shot, which normally I love because it's just, it's very up close and personal in like kind of thick, dense timber. And, you know, I'm set up to shoot one trail and I found out the hard way that, um, your limbs, man, just, just, just shooting yeah. that close. So, so that was a big thing. So I had to kind of dial it. I had to push it back a little bit. That optimal range now is like 10, 10 to 12 yards actually is like, I think the, sure. the perfect, cause you're not touching anything with this, but, um, so yeah, it was, a it, de- the history and hunting like that definitely helped big time, but there's still, I think 
there's so many little things that you don't realize that yeah. even even now coming into a late season, shoot, shooting a traditional bow is one thing and being accurate and shooting it well and shooting it well out of a stand, start to add layers of clothing onto your body mm. and start to be cold. And like, dude, even gloves, gloves has been the biggest hang up for me is I don't feel like I can feel that bow like I need to with yeah. heavy gloves on. So I try and hunt without gloves, but then like, dude, I, my, my hands get so freaking cold that like, it's, yeah. and it's something that, oh, you don't think about, but, and it's a, it's a bitch, you know? And there's a lot of things like that. The more bulky you are, man, getting that full draw with that, you know, man, like you mm-hmm. put a goddamn snowboarding coat on and try and try and shoot that yeah. bow. Well, and know, even having like with the stuff out here, I mean, when you get close, chances are you're not going to have your huge pack on that i mean like you'll drop it to for your stock but probably still have bino harness on or something you know like where it's going to be right in front like you gotta you think about making those adjustments too and so when i remember uh before we went on our elk hunt like it'd been a couple of weeks prior to and i'm like i haven't actually shot wearing my harness yet you know like in in it those first couple of maybe maybe hour or so of shooting i'm like okay there is a little bit of adjustment i need to make but it's Mm -hmm. not gonna but you have to do that because you can't do that in the moment and try to make that adjustment in the moment, you know? Yep. hundred percent. And, and that's the thing up here too, is like, it's getting frigid now, man. And it'll be sub, it'll be below zero. Um, and you're sitting and you got to sit freaking still, you know, there's no cover up there and, um, you just, you freeze, man. So you get cold. So you gotta, you have to, you know, you're not moving around. You don't get that blood flow. So you gotta, be a little bulkier as it is and then yeah you know with the gloves and uh man i remember i got pinned down with my hand on the bowl one time dude i thought my fingers were gonna fall off dude i thought it was frostbite for sure it was just it was not but <laughs> but yeah so just a, those a lot of little things man um uh and it's really in but the only way you're gonna get through it and get through it fast like had i hunted with that bow for a week a year it would have taken me i am not shitting you i would say 10 seasons to yeah. learn all the lessons I learned in just last year. I, I, I sure. mean, a hundred percent. Cause I'm all about creating opportunities too. Like I've always, I've been that guy who fucks up a lot, but yeah. I'm real good at creating another opportunity. So yeah. it's like, uh, so that helps me with this too. Is like, you know, it's not, most guys spend their whole year waiting for that one shot. And yeah. sometimes I do, and you don't get that opportunity, but, and then you get the one shot and it's done. And then that was a lesson and it's like, shit next year or whatever yep. you got to keep you know that's why big thing i preach too man is even if you're in the dumps or something doesn't go right you gotta keep getting back out there like this is the only way to um you know pull mm-hmm. it out pull it through do you do um much did you did you go into like the technique side of stuff when learning how to do it or did you just kind of like i'm going to figure out how i shoot well and just what feels good and what's consistent. I'll stick with that. Or did you go like the teaching learning specific technique stuff? That's a super good question too. So, um, this is another awesome point because I, I tend to forget about this, but I'm a, like I said before, I'm a big overthinker. And the thing that fascinated me about traditional bows in the first place too, was that there's no mechanisms, no nothing, you know, you know, your brace height, um, you know, you know, your knock height and you're good. Like, just like, I mean, two freaking things you can, you know, I can, I can, you know, string this bow in the timber, whatever. That, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy knowing that like I have a piece of equipment that I can own. So, um, the one technical bit of it that I did 
dive into that I did want to understand was mm -hmm. was tuning an arrow because yeah I was quickly made aware that like the tune of your arrow with a bow like this is not like a compound to where it's like a compound so like that was one thing that I did dive into I was it was a barrier of entry for me because I I didn't want to at first but I'm like well if I'm gonna do it I, I need to know how to tune an arrow and I need to understand why that works and point weight and spine and and I learned that now getting into the shooting is where the real mind fuck comes into play because mm. this I firmly believe is just like a diet plan. It's just like a training regimen the, everybody has an asshole or what, what's the saying? Like, every, like everybody's got an, or I don't know what it is, but like mm -hmm. there's, or there's, there's so many different ways to skin the cat and everybody is like the best. Everybody knows yeah. better than everybody else. And, and, um, so I very quickly, um, and I'm usually pretty good at staying away from this. I got spun around real quick by mm. everybody saying this. Or, oh, no, you need to do this. You're anchoring too far back. You're not you're not looking down the arrow. You're not you don't. Oh, you don't know your point on. What are you doing? How could you ever shoot a bow and not know your point on? Like, you're, <laughs> oh, you're not you're not doing it. it. It got and I'm pretty I consider myself pretty like pervious to like, like listening, like letting that shit get under my skin, but sure. something that yeah. I really know nothing about. Like, so I found myself like for a long, I was just trying to chase this impossible way of shooting. And I do believe there's fundamentals. I believe everybody has their own style though. Um, and, yeah. and that's where I think my one advice or my advice to somebody that's getting into it new would be if you are going to seek a mentor and listen to somebody or listen to advices, listen to only one person yeah. and never fucking change that and get, and then shoot for a long. And if you never become a decent shot or any that you're ha then maybe switch and then forget sure. everything time, that he said. Yes. Yeah. It's the same thing with a diet. So many people jump on a diet, do it for seven days. Oh, this doesn't work. Dude, you didn't even, you, your body yeah. hasn't even adjusted to what you're, to yep. what we're doing like you have to how can you possibly say that you follow this diet for you know six months and then tell me it doesn't work whatever so but people people are impatient you know they want the they want the magic pill they want the the key to the kingdom instantly so i would say pick one person but more even so than that that one person's advice might not fit your style and sure. there's a prime example of i i was talking to a buddy of mine um he's a really good shot with a compound bow mm -hmm. and a recurve bow. And I got to watch it when I talk to him because like he's so, and, and all of a sudden he'll start mind fucking me a little bit. And, <laughs> and I don't even want to ask him anything, but, right. and I, I find, but then I, he's such a different shooter than me. Like I'm, yeah. and, and he even said to me one time, I finally got him to open his eye, but he was like, you know what, dude? He's like, he's like you, he's like, I've watched you shoot a compound bow for a long, for, for years. He's like, and it's, and, and if I was teaching somebody how to shoot a bow, if I was teaching Arthur, Arthur he's like, you do nothing right. Absolutely. <laughs> like in, and, 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 right. and he's probably true. I mean, like I grew up shooting a bow. That's all I have is a kisser button. And okay. my, my string is not aligned with my, my pin is not aligned with my string. Nothing like that. It's very much anchored to the corner. Look where you want to go. Use the pin as a reference and freaking fire it off like that. So and, pretty much shooting a recurve, anyways, just has some advanced yeah, mechanisms on it. Yeah, <laughs> so, sort of, yeah. So, and and that I never made that correlation until he said that. He's like, 
So here I come into to recurve shooting and everybody's telling me, no, you need to come. You need to find that anchor. You need to settle in. You need to do the back tension. You mm-hmm. need to slowly. Re- and I'm just like, and I've never been a shot process guy ever. Not yeah. even with something that had a trigger or with something that had wheels. Like, so here I was trying to chase this, this, you know, um, like Joel Turner, like style of shooting, which don't get me wrong. I think there's, I do see the benefit of that. I see the benefit of that in repeating the exact same shot, which is super crucial to traditional shooting. But at the same time, I think some of us are zebras and, you know, some of us are hippos. So like, I mean, it's, it's, it's one, it's one of those things. So I know this, my shot, my shooting became, I'll tell a quick tangent story about the anchor point. So, um, and then I'll get into my shooting now and, and my, my last recommendation. But uh, And not that I'm the freaking greatest shot. Like, I'm, dude, I'm just a mediocre shot. I've always been a mediocre shot. Like, my, like, but killing them at a certain range in the hunt is where it comes into. But I've always wanted to do instinctive, too. So I got bombarded with people who use different aiming methods. Uh, they string walk or they gap shoot or yep. – and, and I still – I don't know my point on, I can't even, there was one point in time where I tried to figure it out and I couldn't even, under, I couldn't even grasp the concept of using the point of the arrow to aim. So, and it got me kind of flustered because I'm like, oh man, and everybody, oh, you need your point on, you need this, you need, and I'm like, this is why, but this is exactly why I didn't want, or what I didn't want for traditional shooting. I wanted right. something that is going to be fluid, that is going to be instinctual, that I could pick up and just feel and like, just, you know, yeah. so anyway, so, um, I wanted the instinctive shoot and um, man, now I lost my point that I was going to go on um, such a pinball man. Um, <laughs> so, so the uh, about um, your string or your, your shooting aiming style, like you're, yeah. you're saying you're going instinctive with it and that's oh, how the it, anchor point. Yes. So, anchor point, yeah. So I started, everybody uses the corner of their mouth or not everybody, but it's very, sure. very popular to that corner of the mouth anchor point arrow under the eye. Like that's your, that's your spot. Well, when I naturally drew the bow, I would draw past and I would draw way back to almost my ear area. Mm. And like, that's just where I would go to. Yeah. And, um, but then I would like, you know, then I would settle back down to the corner and, um, uh, and the reason I, so just shooting willy nilly, like, okay, just at first I'd come far and every, like, dude, what are you doing? Your anchor way <laughs> off. It's way too far back. You need to come to the corner of your mouth. And I was chasing that for a long time. I'm like, oh, yeah. this, yeah, this is it because this is the alignment. This is where I need to be. This is where I put my kisser. This just makes more sense. This is whatever. And, um, I did find a bit of information from like, uh, one of those archery coaches or something. And he talked mm-hmm. about a natural anchor versus, so then I, and, and then it made sense to me, he talked about everybody's body being different and, and I got a long torso, maybe something is different with my arms, but when I, I cannot open up an anchor right here, I just can't, mm. I can't do it. I'm, yeah. I'm closed in and my draw is like 26 inches or 20, yeah. you know, and I just can't do it. But when I come back to here, everything aligns and I'm mm. freaking solid. And I get that structural alignment of, yeah. of what they say you want. Um, so when I did, so that was the first step into like expediting my shooting process. When I became okay with that, then even when I finally found the anchor, 
because I was I was paranoid and wanting the process and wanting this to be yeah. perfect because I'm yeah. starting it, man. I'm start. I'm gonna in it for the long haul. I can't start with bad habits. Right. So then I be then I start listening to everybody and they're like, oh no, you need to do this. You need to have this. You need to or no, you need to. Your release is wrong. Your your it was it, everybody has an opinion. So um, fast forward, uh, what I when I started shooting way better when my my shooting got uh, exponentially better is when I did what felt right. And just now I just tried to repeat that. Like, it sounds Mm. simple, but like, yeah, there's, I don't overthink the whole, like for, I was trying to like, I was overthinking the hold for a long time. Yeah. And it's like, why the hell am I freaking, what is it? Why am I holding this back here so long? I don't need to do that. Like, there's no point of it. Um, so I just started feeling the bow more and really like visualizing the target and letting kind of the other stuff happen at, as second nature, like with the release. And, yeah. the, and, and another thing too, is like when everybody preaches this hold, it almost makes you think that you're supposed to draw back and then everything is supposed to like, you're supposed to almost like let into this tension phase when realistically that is the opposite. Like that's not what you want to do. You want tension the entire time as and you're like drawing that, back. Yeah, yeah, and it's like even when you get there and at this hold point that I think like a lot of these bigger archery um, guys are doing, even they're holding, but they're in tension. They're not like relaxing into this 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 holding phase, which right. that got me all over the place. But then when I constantly kept that tension, and then it was like that was a big, but really. That's what, and then I think about it. That's what felt right right off the bat. Yeah. Anchor, anchoring back there, and that constant tension in the visualization of that arrow, and then all that was a huge thing. Another thing before I get too in the weeds, arrow weight. All of a sudden, mm. I found myself with this freaking hammer of an arrow. Yeah. Because everybody wants to shoot a hammer of an arrow, and I was the guy who, with a compound, shot a, a arrow light as a feather. And I know yeah. it's different. It's a different ball game, but I just never cared about the weight of an arrow. And sure. And I knowing that I shot my compound very instinctively for many years, unintentionally going to a lighter arrow in my trad setup brought back that like trajectory trajectory awareness, I think. OK. Yeah. And it and it really made a big difference. Like, dude, I, I dropped my arrows, I think, a hundred and four. 30 grains or 140 grains total. And like, dude, it's, it's made a total difference in my shooting. So what do they sit at now? Like what's kind of the, what, so I was at, at now? I think I, so right now I'm at like four, four Oh five. And oh, then wow. they, they were, like, yeah. yeah, they were like five sixty. Yeah. Like, so I, I, you know, and it, it was, it was a different tune. You know, I went, I, it is a little, so my bow is a little lighter too, though. Um, okay. my bow is lighter, but, but the, the trajectory on that arrow, like even when yeah. I shoot a tuned arrow out of both bows, the same weight, there is not the drop. It's way flatter shooting. It's way more familiar to me. And, um, you know, it's helped, uh, it's helped a lot in that regard. That's cool. Cause it seems like you found a way to blend and I don't know. There'd probably be some purists who would be all up, all upset about that in some regard, but like find a way to blend what you were doing with the compound and like adapt parts of it into how you're shooting with like with the arrow weight. Cause like the comp, like the arrow weight thing with compound guys, like you said, it's not something most guys that shoot compounds are like, that's not that big of a deal. 
to a lot of compound guys, you know, but yeah. then you get in the tri world, like arrow weight is one of the main things everybody wants to talk about. And you're like, ah, I'll just kind of keep it more, more closely to what I was doing before. And cause that's the, like you said, the trajectory that I'm used to seeing, which if you're yeah. shooting instinctual, like that's yes. pretty helpful. If it's something that you already have fired thousands of arrows at that same type of trajectory, you're like, Oh, I could, this, yep. this is already familiar. And this is, yeah, that's exactly right. Because it's, and it's not something that I really, people would say that like, uh, they'd be like, Oh, well you, you kind of shoot your, compound like like instinctively and i would always say yeah you can't say that because there's a pin on it it's a reference sure yeah half the time maybe more than half the time when i kill a deer i don't ever remember looking at the pin it just sort of happens yeah and and they're like well that right there and i'm like yeah you got a point but until i tried a lighter tuned arrow out of that bow it like almost clicked and then also the realization of what my buddy told me of like hey you were never this crazy process guy that took his time, yeah. that came to an anchor, that back tension. Like, dude, he's like, you would fire your, he's like, and I would tell you that you were the worst shot with a compound bow ever. He's like, but you killed more deer than anybody I know. And you kill them <laughs> right. every time. And, and, right. I, and, and he's like, so I wouldn't change a damn thing. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, I think you're overthinking the traditional bow. And I'm like, you're, you're totally. fucking right, dude. You, you're, you're totally right. And that's, and then the last little bit of nugget of information I seen too was this dude, and I've talked about this a couple times, and I think people are like, "What the hell is he talking about?" But it was like this medieval weapons expert, right? Okay. And he he was talking about, it, but it was this weird video I found in the in the you know rabbit hole of like looking for shit archery when I got into that. Yeah. And he was talking about instinctive archery being like a martial art. And, and it like, and when you truly like, when you learn the bow, you learn the arrow and like the process. And he was going through all the different, like the, where archery started or where, you know, like the, the bow and arrow mm -hmm. and then, you know, up through, you know, uh, England and, and, um, you know, Asia and then, you know, native Americans and all this stuff about the bow. And he's talking about all these like ways of instinctual shooting and different releases that they had. And, and it got me thinking, I'm like, dude. Every, all these people, all these people did it differently. And, yeah. and you tell me how a Mongol warrior is going to be accurate on horseback, never mm -hmm. even touching their face. And they were some of the most deadly, accurate yeah. archers of all times. They and draw they, like 24 inches and the bows like dude, this it, long. It's just, and just whop, whop, whop. It, yeah, it's just, and you, these guys are just, I mean, it's very accurate. And this guy that was doing this video, it just kind of opened my eyes of like, yeah. okay, this is a lot of like the BS that I weed through for people on tree stands and deer hunting. It's like, yeah. dude, don't listen to all, like you don't have to shoot. Like this way to the corner of the mouth is like, like I think typical like English descent of like how they did it and sure. shit. Half, like 75% of the other people who were like, I mean, you gotta think these people, like their lives depended on this. Like yeah. they're, they're using these things in battle. They're, they're, they're hunting for their substance and food and stuff. Like their shit worked, you know? What so. was the, um, I think it might've been, it was an Eastern Asian culture and I can't remember what it was, but their bows are like six feet long and they pull from so up high and like their, their hand is like above their eye and like their arms are super high like this. Yeah, and it's like yeah. just the op, I mean, because they have to, cause their bows literally like touch the ground when they <laughs> are drawn back. Like there's so many differences. It's wild. Yep. Yeah. Um, awesome. And and another thing, too, if you are I think this is I'll end I'll end it with this point. 
we're talking about whitetail hunting, right? Yeah. We're talking about a relatively close effective range. A lot of these principles and a lot of these things that people talk about and they get caught in and all these little nuances about like your air. Oh, you need your, you need your feather. Oh, I trimmed 16th inch off my feather to get the dude. I mean, come on. Like, you, like <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's blown out of proportion. And I, and I, this is what I tell myself. I rank, I'd like everybody to wrangle themselves back in a little bit. And you might, like you said, a lot of these purists, like traditional guys or guys who, shoot competition and shoot long distance might be rolling their eyes. But like, I, I want to kill a whitetail with this thing inside of 20 yards. It is not that if, if you have a, a good tuned arrow Mm -hmm. and you, you start shooting how it feels right and you start getting accurate and you start most importantly getting confident. Yeah. The confidence in your bow and arrow, especially with that and shooting instinctively and your effective range is everything. And that 16th inch on your, on your feather or whatever the hell these people are doing or like the, is not going to make a damn difference. Like, and yep. these, like I, I, this is a, this is a weapon to kill. It's not a weapon to, to bedazzle people at, you know, with crazy trick shots at, at 80 yards or whatever, like sure. learn the bow, learn the trajectory of the arrow, no matter what it is. And you can effectively kill with it. Like, people have done it since the beginning of time. Uh, I think it's, it's over. It's just overthought about in general. Yeah, I agree, man, dude, we're like at an hour and a half, so we'll start to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for making time today, man. I was glad we got to get into some of the fitness stuff with you too. That was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. So thanks for making time. Um, you have several different ways that people can support and follow what you're doing. You have uh, lone wolf custom gear. You've got like the road shows that you guys do. You have your, personal stuff and then you've got the clothing brand which actually i realized as i was talking to you is the beanie that i'm wearing (laughs) so um why don't you do all those plugs and stuff for everybody so they can go follow and support you oh man yeah so a lot of my a lot of my personal stuff you know just goes on instagram um like everybody or maybe not everybody I, i try and be better at it i need to be more active on there but uh that's just um or so it's dying breed bow hunter is my instagram handle um awesome name yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, in today's day and age with a lot of, uh, a lot of the, just the things going the other direction from what bow hunting actually is, is like, uh, it was kind of like a, uh, kind of like a, a symbol of that, you know, let's sure. you know, taking it back to experiencing that. So, so that's something new. Um, we're doing a lot of work. we got some, some films we're working on and some videos we're working on a dying breed bow hunter side, but that is just my personal Instagram handle. Um, the mobile hunter road trip. I'm glad you brought that up because you know, your audience could be diverse, but like if you are somebody who's looking into getting into whitetail hunting and more particularly like that mobile mindset of whitetail hunting, uh, run and gun style, not your typical sit in a stand and wait. Uh, the road shows are a super awesome resource. Uh, I do about five to six shows every year and we travel throughout. We never go out West as close as close to you, you know, maybe yeah. one day we will, but, um, you know, starting in the Midwest and then all the way out to the East Coast and some down South, but uh, they're just big uh, day long workshops. Um, we talk about gear, we talk about tactics, we we do all that sort of stuff. So uh, it's a really good, um, really good, uh, you know, way to meet like like minded people. Maybe mm-hmm. make some connections to go, you know, find a place to hunt, uh, gear up, and and get some awesome knowledge, and then just kind of hang out with cool dudes. So. Um, so those you can, you know, you can check that out, uh, mobilehunterroadshow.com. 
is where you can, you know, pre-book a ticket for that. They're 25 bucks for the day. And um, you can win a bunch of awesome stuff too. Um, and also there's an Instagram page for that. Um, and then the backbone of everything, you know, Lone Wolf Custom Gear is the the tree stands um, and the gear that we that we make and, and manufacture here in the in the USA, um, you know, to facilitate that ultra mobile style of whitetail hunting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've been around for a long time. Uh, my old man founded the company back in '84, and then in 2017, we we kind of flipped it on the lid and, and completely transformed the great stands and sticks into actual hunting systems uh that work together and we got the lightest and and um you know most most compact uh user user friendly uh gear on the market so uh you could check that out on instagram or the website too as well um and then for the last i know this is a, this is a long one here but this is a long, <laughs> this is a long plug section but it's good man. last but yeah last but not least um uh one more outdoors uh sabini you're wearing and it's just something, man, that's been kind of a side project for me. Um, I've been hunting in just like solids and wool for like probably the last eight years, like strictly. My and guy. My kind um, of guy. yeah. And, and I just, dude, I, it was one of those things where I was always like shopping around looking for flannels and looking for like the right hunting clothes, but not in camo. And yeah. camo is so like, it, it's so saturated. And then it's also like there's politics in that too. And it's like, you're wearing this and you piss this person off and this so i was like you know what you know so i started also i wanted to prove that like you could do it in different stuff so yeah anyway i started getting a lot of people hey where do you get your stuff from or where do you get your like that flannel it's awesome so i kind of set out to just make uh you know make flannels make uh wool-based apparel and and it's a slow going thing because it's on the side but uh sure. if you're if you're you know into some flannels and, and um, wool stuff, and we got a lot more stuff coming this year. It'll be awesome, but you can check that out. It's uh, uomooutdoors.com, and we also got an Instagram for that. But, but yeah, that's pretty Sweet. much it, man. That's all the stuff I'm involved in. Awesome. Well, it was good having you on, man. I really appreciate your time, and we'll catch up soon, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ross. Thank you.